28 points underdog as they came to Notre Dame Stadium. And there's been a long time since they've seen a celebration like this in Evanston. The beauty was we had never been through it. We didn't know, we sort of didn't know what normal was. So it was, it was all happening so fast that uh, I don't think anyone necessarily got caught up in the hype. Um, you know, Barnett did a really nice job of keeping everybody humble. Um, so yeah, it was a wild, it was a wild, wild, wild ride. You're listening to Steve Schnur, quarterback of the 1995 Northwestern Wildcats, whose historic run to the Rose Bowl celebrates its 25th anniversary this year. We'll talk to Steve about this magical season on this episode of Michael Loves Indy. Hi, friends. Welcome to Michael Loves Indy. This episode features a conversation with Steve Schnur, quarterback of the 1995-96 Northwestern Wildcats. It's the 25th anniversary of the run that that football team went on to win the Big Ten Championship and take Northwestern to its first Rose Bowl at that time since 1949. I had so much fun in this conversation. It took me back to my undergraduate years at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. And for those of you who are old enough to remember, Northwestern has not exactly been known for athletic dominance in the Big Ten throughout history. So that year was such an important year. If you're a Northwestern fan, you know, Northwestern students and alums, um, I got to go to the Rose Bowl to see the team. They didn't win, unfortunately. They, they faced uh, Keyshawn Johnson and a USC team that was really good. But it doesn't make the, the trip um, and that entire season any less magical. So I really enjoyed the conversation with Steve. I hope you will too. Some of you may be thinking, okay, Michael, we know you're obnoxious about your love for the Northwestern Wildcats, but this show is about Indy. What does this have to do with Indy? Well, Steve Schnur and his wife and his four kids moved to Indianapolis a few years ago. He is the executive vice president and COO of one of the country's leading uh, commercial real estate, industrial real estate companies, Duke Realty. It's been a thrill to have him in Indianapolis the last few years, getting more involved in the community. Full disclosure, he is on the board of directors of my employer, the Indy Chamber. So um, he does talk a lot about the dynamics and stories of that season and how he applies many of those lessons to his current leadership career. Anyway, it was a free-flowing conversation about this magical year 25 years ago. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Steve Schnur. It was fun to go back and research some of these games because, you know, it's like anything. And again, just as a fan, I mean, you were, you were in the middle of it, but um, some of them are very vivid and some of them I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. They beat Penn state. That was, that was crazy. All right. Do you, do you get, um, do you get nostalgic at times like this knowing that it's 25 years uh, or what, what's, what's kind of, what's your, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I think when I lived in Chicago, you know, you had more Northwestern people around, right? So yeah. you, you ran into more Northwestern people. So it's been great for me to, to meet people here in Indianapolis that, that 
that I can reminisce about because it, it was such a great time for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the 25th anniversary certainly brings a lot of that about. Um, we, you know, we've had a number of different different things we've talked on and and uh, reminisced on, and like you, know, you like you had pointed out, I think you forget a lot of things that happened during that year, you know, so, so being able to, to go back and relive some of that's been awesome. Yeah, I do. I, I do want to step through several of the actual games in the, in the time that we have, but I do, I do want to bring it back to the beginning because I know obviously Chicago's got a big part of your heart and, and your wife's, but you grew up in St. Louis. Um, Dad is a firefighter. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Um, going to Slough High. Yes. Um, Trent, didn't Trent Green also go to SLU High? Aren't there some, a, a handful of no, NFL he went, players? Uh, he went to Viani, which was one okay. of our big rivals. So I uh, uh, was able to watch him as a, uh, when I was a freshman in high school. He was a senior and pretty amazed at his ability. Yeah. Where did, uh, was there any, any clue like from family members or anybody that, that playing D1 athletics was going to be an option for you? No, I think I no my my um, I was the first in my school in my uh, family to to go away to to college and graduate and you know I loved football from an early early age. Um, it was funny. I, my dad took me to sign up when I was seven, and I'll never forget it. <clears throat> I got there and and I um, I went to sign up and and I got really nervous and I started to cry. And to my dad's credit, he was like, you know, don't worry about it. You can play next year if you don't want to play and so I decided not to play that year and and so I came back as an eight-year-old loved it it was the best thing I ever did and loved it and uh I loved football my whole life thought I wanted to play defense never thought I would play offense I got to high school and um moved over to quarterback it's kind of a funny story and the rest is history well what was that was there a moment when they they so my dad was always on me to play quarterback. I had, I had a very good, I had a good arm, you know, and, and but he was always on me to play quarterback. I, I loved linebacker. I loved tackling people, which is kind of funny because I don't think I ever made a tackle in college. Threw a lot of interceptions, but I did not make a tackle. Uh, but I um, so freshman year of high school, I go out for the football team, and we get out there, and immediately they're like, "Okay, linebackers over here." Well, I ran over the linebackers and wasn't really paying much of attention to the offense. And, and uh, we had this, uh, this coach, Matt Chudo was his name. And I can remember him screaming. He was a very religious guy. It was a Catholic high school. But I remember him screaming, God damn it. Can anybody throw the football here? And I'm like, I, I can. And so anyway, I went over there and never went back to defense, never played defense, get in my life and uh, came home, told my dad that I was playing quarterback. He was thrilled and, and uh, went, on to, went on to have a lot of fun. Was there a season in high school that it clicked and, you know, you started to get calls and things like that? Yeah. So my, uh, so my sophomore year, I started on varsity, which was a big, you know, it was a big deal back then for, for me. And um, yeah, junior year, I started to get some, some looks and a lot of letters and things like, you know, back then it was, it was a lot more snail mail, right? There was no, there was no cell phones, there were no emails, all that stuff. So you get letters from people. I'd go away to camps. Um, I went to uh, the University of Illinois camp for like three or four years. Uh, really wanted to go to University of Illinois. Um, they they didn't want me, so uh, so it, it all worked out in the end. My cousins who went to University of Illinois wish you went to University of Illinois also. <laughs> um, so so one thing about the timeline because I I was at Northwestern. I was two classes behind you, and. 
I was trying to kind of reconstruct the timeline of, I guess it was coach Francis pay. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know a lot about him. And then Gary Barnett coming in, but that, that's sort of that transition is happening at the time you're being recruited by Northwestern. Is that right? Yeah. In fact, um, I didn't really hear much from Northwestern. Um, Francis pay was the coach there. He got let go right at the end of the season. Barnett was hired in December of 90. Uh, I guess it would be 91 heading into January of 92. Uh, they called me on a whim. I remember my high school coach coming up to, to me in the cafeteria at our high school and saying, Hey, what do you think about Northwestern? I was like, I don't know anything about them. Uh, I know one guy from St. Louis that went there for my high school. I knew it was a good school. I didn't know anything about the football team or anything. So, uh, so I said, sure, I'll go look at it. And I went up there on a visit. Um, I was, uh, was also being recruited by Mizzou at the time, which uh, Mizzou today is a little different than Mizzou back then. Mizzou today in the SEC is a pretty good football program. Back then was, was not. Um, Anyway, it was to me it was a no-brainer decision just based on all the all the non-football stuff around Northwestern. Um, besides, Barnett was a a great recruiter and and certainly sold everybody on a vision. Um, had a lot of great things to say. You sort of bought into what he what he was saying, and you know I'd I'd be lying if I said sitting there thinking we would make it to number three in the country and be playing in the Rose Bowl in a short period of time. But um, but you know he he definitely had a vision for the program. So would you say, you know, because I know, I know there are a number of schools uh, talking to you. So, so Barnett's charisma and vision, that was, that was, that put it over the top. Yeah. And, and playing in the big 10, I mean, you know, you're playing yep. in, to me is one of the, the best conference out there. I mean, uh, back then, you know, it had, I think when, when I played, I can remember, I think six, seven teams in the top 20. It's, you know, so you're in and you're out. It's just one of the most storied conferences and, um, to play at that level, um, it's awesome, right? And to get that opportunity, and then and then to go to a school that you know is a top ten university in the in the world is pretty 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 special. Were you brought in with an expectation that you know, okay, Steve, by your sophomore year you're going to be competing for the starting job, or by your within you know? And I I know at at any university, um, oftentimes coaches will use competition for the quarterback position and. To, to, to try to make guys better. Uh, what was there, was there an expectation you came in with? Yeah, it was a, you know, it's funny. It's a different world today, right? With this whole transfer thing that didn't exist back then. So yeah, you paid a lot of attention as to who was there, who was on the roster. Um, but the fact of the matter is what you find out really quickly in college sports is there's always competition, right? There's always going to be competition. They're going to come in year after year after year. When I went to Northwestern, uh, there was a guy named Glenn Winship who was uh, just broke Ty Detmer's record down in San Antonio. Uh, Mike McGrew came in with me. He was a three-time or four-time, you know, state championship quarterback in, in Illinois that was coming in and might play quarterback. There were a few other guys. So you just figure out quickly there's always going to be competition. And um, that's that's life. You know, it's it's a great lesson for for the rest of your life as well. So um, I, I knew I'd have a shot to compete, you know, my sophomore year on and, um, it ultimately played, played out. I know the first couple of years for coach Barnett, so that would be your, your freshman year and your sophomore year. Um, they, you know, if you're just reading the, the school's history, looking at wins and losses, it doesn't really translate. 
Um, I do, I do recall Barnett's second year. So I guess your sophomore year, three and eight year, you saw, you know, you, at least as a fan, you could see flashes of, of, of something. Um, I remember, I want to see if I get this right. Your sophomore year is also the year that Tim Hughes transferred in. Is that, and he was, he was pretty highly, uh, highly touted. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that, was my, that was my sophomore year of football eligibility. Yeah. So my okay. junior year. Richard, Richard uh, Jr. Yep. Okay. And then Tim comes in and I, I had, again, I had to reconstruct this looking at the stats. Tim begins the season as the starter and you end that season as the starter. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. What is there? I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not digging for any like yeah, dirt or no, anything like that, no, but no, what, what was that like? It was tough. I mean, going back to the, you know, the competition discussion, it's, it, it's a, uh, you learn some wonderful lessons about life, about, how to pick yourself back up about attitude, about your approach, you know, playing a, playing a sport. There's just, there's unbelievable valuable lessons in life uh, that you can learn through that. And, and it was very tough for me. It was, uh, I struggled a little bit. My, my sophomore, I played some Len Williams was still there. I started one game, played in a bunch of different games. Uh, over that summer, I, I had, uh, I'd um, gotten a call from, from one of our coaches that they recruited this kid who's coming from a junior college out in California, was coming in and was going to be there at camp to provide some competition at quarterback. And so we had, we went back and forth in camp. You know, Tim was a nice guy. Uh, he and I got along very well, but they ultimately decided to select him to go and start that season, um, which was 94 against Notre Dame. And, and then, you know, he went in and he had some rough plays, threw a couple interceptions, and I went in. And the next game – came, you know, he started again and played okay through a couple interceptions. I came in, we wound up winning that game at Air Force. Um, and anyway, kind of went back and forth like that most of that season, which was, it was tough on me emotionally. Um, you know, it's hard to, to go through something like that, but, but looking back on it, that's, you know, that's how you build your character. That's how you build your resolve. And um, I'm not sure I would change any of it. I, I, I think I learned some wonderful lessons through it about myself and about how to respond. Going, going back over the, the games and looking at rosters and stuff like that, I, I, a, a couple things stand out. So now, now I'm thinking about that three and eight season, you end the season as the starter. So again, your junior year, sophomore year of eligibility, and then heading into the next season. Um, he's had a lot of turnover at the skill positions. Like you were young at the skill positions and then, um, and then, but then, it seems like there was a lot of experience in the trenches, like the offensive line, I think probably, it, you know, I mean, offensive lines are famously, you know, um, kind of under underrated. Um, did, did were the, was there anything in that, that your, I guess your sophomore year of eligibility, the three and eight season before you get into the, the Rose bowl of the year that looking back, there were, there were clues that the team was going to be really good. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think when you think about what Barnett was able to do and, and changing a, a culture at a school and changing a culture within a program and, and really almost attacking it player by player, right? And some guys would convert and be believers in what we were doing and where we were going and, and others wouldn't. And they, and how, whatever means necessary, they were, they were sort of voted off the island, right? Maybe it was graduation. Maybe it was they ultimately quit, whatever. But we, we needed to get rid of that element, right? And I think Barnett, from a talent perspective, you know, I think he was 
unbelievably strategic about the way you went about it, right? And you think about how that team was built. It was built in the trenches, right? It was built in that, that front seven on both sides of the ball. I think he knew, look, I'm not going to out-recruit and out-talent Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and all these but I can, you know, we're Midwestern school. We've got some, we, we can out-muscle them, right? We, we can get in and battle with them up front and, and then fill in the pieces around that. And I think that's how he went about it. Um, you know, I think there were, there were looking back on it, there, were, there, was un, there was a lot of evidence. You know, when you're in it in the moment, you're, I think the struggle is, you know, it's this whole belief without evidence, right? <laughs> It's faith, right? It takes you so far, but you want to start seeing some evidence. Um, there were little things, right? There was, there was, you know, hanging with some of the teams that we had used to be blown out by. It was, you know, it was being in games until the fourth quarter. It was, um, it was our things like our running test. I mean, when Barnett got there, he implemented some new conditioning drills. And without getting like too detailed about what it was, we would, we had to run these hundred yard sprints, right? And you, they were timed and you only had a fraction of a time <laughs> of rest and then you had to run it again. And at the, when he came in, if you could pass six of the 10, you passed the test. Well, by the time I was a junior, that test had been moved to 12 and you had to pass all 12. There, you know, same. And literally we, we had guys, there was, I don't know, a handful of guys that passed, six the first time we did it right so we were moving the the whole program forward both physically and I think mentally um and and you know there was evidence we just needed to prove it on the field Barnett in um in media reports would always make a lot about the intellectual capacity of this team and so okay so if any of my family members hear this their eyes are going to start rolling right now because it's like oh yeah okay here we go Colorado, what do you expect? <laughs> right, but they're you know, but they're gonna be like, okay, you know, nerd Western football players, blah blah blah. But he, but he did, he he did make a lot of that, and and basically how much he pushed your team in terms of preparation um, that he could, he you know, he would say he could go deeper in terms of all these different scenarios and things like that. Do you have, do you have, was that true? Is that you know, do you have memories of of um, kind of the mental side of the of the preparation? Absolutely. I think, I think Barnett, like I said, I think one of the things he did strategically from a talent perspective was focus on that front seven, right? And you look at all of our offensive linemen wind up being all big 10 at some point in time, right? Defensive linemen, same way fits being the, being that front seven at linebacker. I think on the, on the mental side, yeah, you, you need to, you know, you need to look at every advantage you, you can, right? And, and football is a tremendous sport from a lot of different perspectives, obviously I'm very biased, but, but it's not all, it's not all physical and, and strength and brawn, right? It's, it's a little bit of the, the mental aspect. If you, if you want to out scheme people, if you want to study film tendencies, you know, you can, you can have a tremendous amount of success game plan. I mean, look at, look, there's numerous examples of it, right? You look at the service academies and what they're able to do. They out scheme people, right? They beat people because they out scheme them. They're smaller. They're not as fast. They're not as athletic, but they out scheme people. And so Barnett knew that that was an advantage for us. So I do think game plan wise, I think film study wise, you know, I'd put our team up there with, with anybody. So um, I know I'm skipping over a lot, but there, there, there are certain events, I think, you know, for myself being a student or for fans, that 
are impossible to ignore the Notre Dame game um, at the, in, in, in 1995 being an obvious one. Um, and, and I guess all the, all the um, reports then and now were of coach Barnett ta- uh, allegedly uh, it's prepping you guys saying, okay, when we win, I don't want anybody to overreact or freak out. And when we win, and it was just all, and, and, and I guess, um, you know, I, I guess how, how much of that is true. And as, as you approached, you know, this, this Notre Dame game on national TV, 27 point underdog, are there, are there memories or stories that stand out? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a hundred percent true. Um, he was a master motivator. Uh, I'm sure he still is today. Um, you know, I, and as weird as it sounds, I mean, this is part of his master of motivation, right? As weird as it sounds, I can tell you our team was very confident going into that game that we were going to win. I mean, to the average person that looks at it goes 27.100 dog. Really? Really? You're confident. Sure you were. Um, we were right. And, and, but we were also very hyped up and amped up at least guys that weren't quarterbacks were right. Um, and I think Barnett recognized that, it's, that's awesome, but we can't go out there and be, you know, spastic and sort of blow all our energy in the first, you know, 90 seconds of the game. So as he, as he says, I wanted to say something to sort of lighten the mood. And so he sort of said it, um, you know, I think to catch everybody off guard, get us to sit back for a minute and maybe laugh, maybe, you know, ease the tension. Um, you know, we had some great, I mean, it was that he had, the other one was the, the whole story with the pennies. Uh, that was a real story. You know, we, we practiced in Kenosha that whole season and every day we'd come in and he had this, he had this old fashioned scale um, literally where, you know, two sides and you put a penny in. And the hardest part was they, they, you know, you can imagine when you get to the fraction of a gram or something, pennies weigh different weights. So poor Jeff Jennings got to find matching pennies the whole camp because every time we would have a practice, a good practice, he'd put a penny on the scale on one side and we'd make the assumption that Notre Dame had equally as good a practice at their camp. And so we were sort of even going in and, and one day we had a really bad practice and, and we didn't earn the penny. Right. Um, and we had to assume that Notre Dame did. So they were ahead of us and the scale tipped in their favor. Um, and then we went, we went back and we, we ultimately earned a penny and we, we practiced on a Sunday like players only um, because we knew we needed to get better. And so the story is that, you know, pregame Barnett comes out and he's like, you guys earned another penny. Notre Dame didn't practice that day. They took the day off and puts the penny on the scale. And of course it tilts in our favor and we all go nuts. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was wild. It was, you had, uh, I think Lou Holtz was looking for win, maybe number, it was a milestone win, like 200. It was 200. 200. Uh, Ron Palace, he had this incredibly hyped quarterback. Um, the, you're, you play, as I recall, a very controlled game, you know, not, not a lot of mistakes. I think the, the first touchdown pass to, uh, Dave Beasley, if memory serves me right, is kind of people are going, whoa. Um, what's your, what's, what's your mindset? as you're stepping up to the line, are you, and how does that, you know, you're, I mean, you're a 20 year old kid at the time, you know, are you kind of, are you kind of in the zone? Um, you're, you're, you're at Notre Dame. It's on national TV. As it, what's your, do you, do you have memories of just, of just playing in that game? Yeah, I certainly, uh, I mean, it's a, it's probably one of the more storied stadiums in the, in the country. Right. And 
And as a young Catholic kid growing up, it was, it was everybody's dream, right? And they went from everybody's dream to, I can't stand them. And all I want to do is beat them and feel, still feel that way to this day. So uh, I, um, you know, I, I, I remember the game vividly. They had a, they have, I mean, if you look back at their defense, if it wasn't all of them, it was probably nine of the 11 that played in the NFL, like meaningful careers, very talented defense. Um, but I remember, you know, I remember dominating, dominating the line of scrimmage. I mean, holding our own, you know, I remember uh, passes. I mean, we, you know, you look back at that game and, and we beat them. I mean, it wasn't a fluky thing. Right. Um, and then you look at a couple of the plays that could have gone other way. I mean, we, there was a touchdown. There was an almost touchdown to Dwayne Bates that, you know, if the ball's a couple inches one way or the other, uh, that's another touchdown, another score on them. You know, we probably complete that ball two more weeks into the season, right? Um, Musso had a big catch over the middle and got hit after that and fumbled. I mean, there was we we could we could have beat them worse than uh, worse than we did. Um, it was just and, and the confidence build. You know, we build as as the game went on for sure. Um. You, you had a you had a two two weeks off after that game. You know, I remember just again, just from a, a, a even a student standpoint, national media. Um, do you, you know any any? Do you? I guess I'm asking. Do you do you do you remember what it was like in between in those two weeks after the after the Notre Dame game? Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was wild. I mean, I look. I I wasn't really the starter a week before the Notre Dame game, right? And also they announced me the starter and. I, Next thing I know, we win the game. All the stuff, you know, media is everywhere. I want to talk to you. Uh, I get a call from uh, Brad Hurlbut, who's our sports information director, on Sunday morning after the game. And he says, hey, um, you, Good Morning America wants you on on Monday morning. Um, you need to put a suit and tie on. Of course, I'm like, Brad, I, I'm thinking Brad's messing with me. I'm, it took me a while. To, it took him a while to convince me that, I, that he was being serious. Um, so uh, I was on Good Morning America on, on Monday morning. Um, you know, every news station was out. It was it was wild, right? Um, and I think we were one of the things I've said this before. One of the things I think was so special about our team is the character of the people and the fact that we had never been through this before, right? We had, let's face it. The year before, the year before, the year before, we sucked. We were terrible, right? We were two and eight or two and nine, three and eight, whatever. We, so we we weren't that far removed from being bad and knowing what that felt like. And and I think it kept a level of humility on our team. And, you know, what happened the next week or the next two weeks with Miami, Ohio, was a, was a brutal lesson to learn. Um but helped, I think, drive home that point, right? Yeah. Is remember where you came from. Don't ever, don't ever forget that there's a, you know, there's a fine line between what it is. That I, I, as a fan and somebody who's a student, I feel like that Miami of Ohio game gets forgotten and glossed over because you win the nine games in a row after that. And as I get older and I, you know, I thought about it, in preparation of this conversation, this whole, whole idea that, you know, progress and success is almost never linear, you know, 
Yep. So, and you know, so, so uh, the team, you, you, you have a loss uh, 30 to 28 at home to a Miami of Ohio team, which actually in retrospect was a, a good Miami of Ohio team at the, yep. you know, which maybe we, we didn't know at the time. Um, um, how, how did you, how did you, how, how was that experience like? And then clearly you got it back because you rattle off some decisive wins right after that. But I know, I know, I guess, look, from the outside looking in, it had to be like the mountaintop and then, you know, a, a disappointment after. It did. It, it, it certainly did. Right. And, and we were dominating the game. At, I can't remember. Was it 28 to seven or something? Yeah. We were up. And, I mean, it was, it was crazy that it went the way it did, but that's, you know, that's college sports. That's college football. Um, but I'll tell you, I think we learned more about ourselves in that game than we did in all of our other wins, right? It, it fueled a passion in us. It fueled sort of a uh, don't ever forget what it feels like to go out and get your butt kicked every week. I mean, it, it you know, you, people talk about, well, Northwestern, all this. Well, you know, I looked around like my freshman year when I got there, you know, I, and, I, and I knew what I thought of myself, right? I was the player of the year in high school in Missouri. And, and the other guys that came in all had all these accolades. And I, I never once felt intimidated in any level of football I'd ever played in that I wasn't maybe, if not the best, one of the best kids out there on the field, right? I, and so my thought when I got to college was, well, I shouldn't feel any different, right? I mean, these guys are all – I played against some of these guys, right? They just went to different schools than I did. And so I think there was a confidence that we needed to, we needed to maintain and, and, uh, and have about ourselves. And, and I think it's hard to maintain that when then you show up at college and you go three and nine, you go or two and nine and three and eight and, you know, and you're getting blown out by 40 points. It's like, what, what the hell happened? What, what, what transpired from me being a really good player and, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy will be a great high school players to suddenly get our butts kicked. Um, so that fueled us, right? And, and Miami, yeah. Ohio helped ground us for sure. So you, you followed up with decisive wins, beating Air Force 30-6 to six in Indiana, 31-7 to seven afterward. Um, well, I want to get to Michigan in a minute, but um, uh, you know, memories, is that, is that just, is that just Barnett just, just you know, hammering you guys to, to, to keep your confidence in, in those. Yeah, uh... Certainly. I mean, the, the Air Force game for sure. Um, I think, and I think it was a little bit of us. Hey, who are we, right? Are we that are we the team from the beat Notre Dame or are we the team that lost by a while? The team that lost by a while had the last quarter, right? I mean, we were the team that dominated their, kicked their butts for three quarters, right? And then lost the game in the last quarter. So, uh, yeah, it was, that was a big motivator for us. Indiana was a good one to get off, you know, sort of kick off the Big Ten. Um, Chris Ditto, Indiana guy. Here. Yeah. Uh, he's now a good friend of mine here in Indianapolis. Uh, he was the quarterback on the other side that day. Yep. So, he and I, I remember. I remember, I, I remember um, I, I, this is kind of embarrassing. I remember students not knowing how to act. I mean, I know we're talking about you and talking about the team, but also, you know, when you don't have a winning culture at that school. So I remember, I'm embarrassed to say this. I was, I was in a number of a small group of students who rushed the field after the air force win. And um, I remember, I remember Matt Hartle, rest in peace. I remember Matt um, being very upset. And I, if I thought hard enough, I could tell you who else and several football players saying, guys, don't rush the field. We expect to win these games. And I was like, 
and 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 I remember, and my friends and I, we were like, okay, we won't, <laughs> okay. We won't do that. You know, you know what I mean? It was like we, it was, it, for us, it was like this triumphant moment. We're back, and the and and you got you guys, the players, being like, guys, don't don't rush the field. You know, that's does that funny. does that trigger any? Yeah, that's funny, but I I think, and that's what I tell people. Like, I think one of the things that's so makes that whole year so special. It was new for everybody, right? I'm telling you, it was new for us. Like, right? We were, yeah. we were like, oh, I don't, you know. All of a sudden, you're like, well, Northwestern hasn't won, you know, three of their first four games in 72 years. <laughs> you know, every week was a new accomplishment, and it wasn't just for us; it was for the students too, right? Like, I mean, no student, no one at the university. I mean, the last time we had a winning season was 1971, I think it was, right? So, um, it was a, it was a cool experience for everyone because they were going through it for the first time and it yeah. was and it literally went from you know from the rags to riches really literally from you know a, a really bad year the night year before 94 to a great year in 95 yeah you can so you go to ann arbor okay this is another major inflection point i think you know <laughs> you go to ann arbor to play michigan Brian Greasy, Tim Biakabatuka, you know, if I recall, Mercury Hayes, Amani Toomer, a ton, yep. Men, yep. lot, lot, um, NFL players on both sides of the football. A team, I think at the time they were sixth or seventh. A lot of people had them number one, and you win nineteen thirteen at Michigan. Um, I, I remember a lot of things. I remember a, a touchdown pass to Hartle. I think again, rest in yep. peace. Um, I also remember thinking to myself, but other people, you know, it's a new experience thinking our defense is really awesome. You know, Pat Fitzgerald, Barry Gardner, the whole, you know, the, I mean, it just strong, strong players all around. What, what, what memories stick out from going to Ann Arbor and, and winning another game where you the heavy underdog? Yeah. So uh, kind of funny. Ann Arbor is an interesting place to play. It's the only place I had, I have, uh, the only time I played there. Um, no one on our team had ever been there um, to play a game. So we go in there. Uh, it's kind of a funny, two funny stories about it. We go in there, we go to the locker room, and, and everybody's got, you know, every visiting locker room has something unique about it. Well, the unique thing about Michigan is their urinals are like, I mean, if I'm, they're about this tall, right? So, which I guess about chest height. Yeah, but I, yeah, I'm a, yeah, we're doing neck like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how big are these people? I guess that's their, their point. I mean, it just, it, Ultimately, it results in a lot of people just peeing on the ground, which is disgusting. But I remember thinking, like, my God, like, I think that's what they want you to think, right? Their guys, their guys are so huge. Um, the second that second thing was it's this massive bowl, right, down on the ground. And, you know, you understand that 100,000 people and all this stuff. Well, it was raining the night before the game and leading up to that game. It's pretty wet. And so we walked down this long tunnel coming out on the field and they stop us and they're like, hold on, hold on. They're drying out the field. And I'm like, what, you know what? And I'm like, look around. They literally have two helicopters, which, you know, thinking about it logically makes sense, but it just made it seem that much bigger. They literally had one helicopter hovering over this 50 yards of the field and one over this one, drying it out. Um, made it seem that much bigger. Right. So, um, we go out there. Yeah, they were great. Michigan was a great football team, uh, loaded with talent. Um, on both sides of the ball, I will tell you on the offense, um, it was, it was tough. We were, we were struggling early on. We needed, you know, we needed to keep pounding away and try to get some first downs. Um, it was hard to come to the sidelines and think, 
how in the world are we going to score? Like we can't even, we can't even get a first down. Um, and our defense, you know, certainly bend, but don't break that whole game. Yakubatuku's running like crazy. And, and uh, our guys were making enough, just enough plays to keep them out of the end zone. That goal line stand was early in the game was phenomenal. You know, there's some great hits in there with Bits and Sutter and all those guys. Totally. At what point, um, we haven't mentioned him, but so, you know, you knew the team was good in the trenches, but Darnell Autry is so young. And um, I, I, I had to go back and look at the stats to realize, I know he got a lot of carries. He got almost all the carries that year. I mean, the durability of Darnell Autry. It was there a point in the season where you're like, man, this kid is really awesome because he was young. He was kind of, kind of unknown too. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, it was. I think it was early on, right? I mean, I, I would say the year before he played in the final game of the season against Penn State, and you hit the nail on the head. Extremely durable, um, much more explosive than I think people realize. Yeah. You, know, you watch him in some of the foot races that he had that year. Very, very fast. Um, ran with an unbelievable amount of leverage and and was able to absorb hits. It was hard to bring that kid down. Um, you know, one of the other things I, I, I think I realized more about him today than, you know, watching some of the highlights from a different perspective was, and again, it goes back to that special character. A lot of the guys we had on the team, you know, you, you watch him, you watch him score touchdowns and immediately run over to the line or whoever, right? I mean, and it was, it was a great chemistry that, that he had. I think the great chemistry that the, the offensive lineman had with him um you know an unselfish guy um yeah i can't say enough good about darnell he was a he was a, he worked really hard and and uh he deserved everything that came his way you uh you were known you played a you played a very controlled game uh, made very few mistakes as a quarterback um our, my memories and the stats bear that out um how much how much freedom like especially like in a game like michigan how much freedom do you have when you're going to the line to read the defense, you know, call an audible, go a different direction, uh, you know, from, from coach Barnett and your assistant coaches. Yeah. Well, most of the, you know, back to one of the things we talked about earlier with sort of this cerebral part of the game, right. Um, you know, our offense was typically two to three plays called in the huddle. And then I was, you know, I had to call one of the three up on the line of scrimmage as to what we were running, even, you know, even if it was run plays. So, um, that was an aspect that I think was uh, was unique, and we were able to run right, which which helped us get in a better better position on every play. Um, you know, I think as the year went on, you know, I certainly gained more confidence. The coaches gained more confidence in me. Um, you know, yeah, our, but our our model was to play great defense. Um, you know, field field position, ball control. You know, take the shots when we could. Um, you know, I, and I have no, I have no reservations about that at all. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you do what you do, what you need to do to win football games um, and to make yourself successful. If that's throwing the ball a thousand times, great. If it's running the ball every time and yep. not throwing it at all, that's fine. Whatever, whatever you need to do to win. Stop me if I'm going too fast, but uh, it's like Minnesota. I, I recall that as a, a really solid win by the team. Um, blowing out Wisconsin 35 to nothing was another one of those, whoa, you know? And, and I remember, I remember Wisconsin being, um, 
ranked in the top 25. I remember Daryl Bevel, who's obviously gone on to have a great coaching career in the NFL. But I also remember, like, I think Coach Barnett made a joke because Daryl Bevel had come back from a Mormon mission and he was, you know, 24 or 25. And Barnett said, oh, yeah, Daryl Bevel, who, who, uh, who I went to school with or something, you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, and, and, and you beat him. You beat him at Northwestern 35 to nothing. Uh, do you, do you have, uh, does that, do you have, um, remember specific things about that game? Yeah, I think, uh, well, the, the Minnesota game before that was pretty interesting. We were down 14, three, right. And so we had to come back. That's right. Uh, we were, and that was a tough place to play at the Metrodome. So that was the Metrodome. Uh, so that was good. It taught, you know, again, it's taught us a lesson, right. And, and, and I think we got, we got on the bus leaving Minnesota and we're like, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to pull things together. That was a, that was almost a tragic way to, to, to derail our, our season right now. So, uh, so I think it helped us prepare for Wisconsin. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin sort of was developing itself into a rivalry. Um, you know, we had beat them in 92 and kept them out of a bowl game, 93 and 94. They literally just throttled us and they were, they were merciless about how they did it and just kept doing it. So I think guys were fired up, right? They, they talked trash about us in the recruiting trail quite a bit. We used to hear about that. Barnett and Alvarez had a history going back with, you know, Colorado and things. So uh, we were fired up, but our defense, I mean, literally took the ball away. I think seven turnovers. It was crazy. Right. And um, we capitalized on offense. Uh, I'll never forget that the, the first touchdown I scored like uh, on a sneak, it was kind of funny because I literally like jumped up and over because there was a little opening there to kind of get up. So I got to show off my, you know, my 14 inch vertical. Or whatever yeah. It was. So, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a fun game. I mean, it was just complete dominance. Probably the most uh, enjoyable part of the game was near, was at the end. We had put our reserves in and they were trying to preserve the shutout and, and a kid by the name of Chris Rooney, who was a walk-on, uh, made an unbelievable tackle at the end and just crushed his kid and, you know, kept the shutout intact. And, yeah, it was a – it was pretty uh, – I think it I think it opened a lot of people's eyes because Wisconsin was a good team. You know, they clearly had a horrible off uh, day in turning the ball over, but we were – you know, we, we caused a lot of that. So. Yeah, for sure. The second – Northwestern secondary, I, and it's funny, I still remember William Bennett, Rodney Ray – Chris yeah. Martin, you know, I mean, um, and, uh, I feel like there were a lot of, uh, a lot of games, like that was a shutout, but then a lot of these closer games, I feel like the secondary did a lot to keep you in those games too. Yeah. Secondary was unbelievable. Uh, in fact, it's funny. You said Rodney Ray left me a voicemail last night. Nice. Talked to Rodney in forever. Um, nice. you know, um, unbelievable talent. Uh, I give Rodney a lot of credit. Rodney's one of those guys. He was a fifth year player that year had gone through a bunch of injuries, um, had been around, you know, a lot of the negative vibe of, of that needed to be washed out of that locker room and, and um, stuck with it and had a, have, had a great, had a great year and, and went on to do some good things. Uh, Chris Martin, William Bennett, great players, Eric Collier, great player. Uh, you know, the X factor that, that I don't know that I, certainly everybody talks about who Dayfish Maley um, on the, the nickelback, a lot of a lot of yeah. um, a lot of blitzes from the nickelback position. Yeah, yeah. And when I went back and 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 watched some of the, the the reruns of this thing leading up to this 25th anniversary, I don't know that I fully appreciated how how much of a wrecking force he was. Right, he was this 
he was this little secret weapon that we, you know, he, he probably only weighed 180 pounds, maybe super fast, super talented. Uh, we would bring him in the game and he would blitz off the edge. Right. And he would make these 300 pound linemen look stupid. And he was just nasty. And, um, and it's, he probably didn't get the credit outside of the Northwestern community that he deserved. I mean, he was just an unbelievable force uh, for us. And, and uh, in 95, 96, he got moved to corner because he had to, we had to play him at a at cornerback because Chris and Rodney had uh, graduated, and that and that you know that probably hurt us some on on defense because we yeah. couldn't use him in his position anymore. The um you you uh, win a close one at Illinois, and again I've a lot of family. I grew up in you know central southern Illinois. A lot of my family went to Illinois. I remember uh, an awesome defense there with Simeon Rice and Kevin Hardy, and a lot of uh, particularly defensive players played in the NFL. Um, and again, I I'm, I I don't want to just gloss over these because these are important wins. Um, Penn State is another one of those. Like you know, as a fan and and as a student, it was like, man, we've had some awesome wins. And then you know, you approach a game like Michigan, and then you approach a Penn State, and you're like, I don't know, you know, because Penn State had Curtis Enos and Bobby Ingram and all these folks, and that was such an impressive win. Um, what? You know, from you know, after you get through Wisconsin, what 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 are what are other memories that that come to mind about the the second half of the season? Yeah, second half of the season. I mean, I, you know, start with Illinois. I mean, it was a uh, to your you know your point, great defense. We go down there, it's freezing cold. You know, we were we were trailing. I think it was fourteen to three, maybe at one point, and we ultimately come back and win. Uh, you know, we score on fourth down. And, uh, and preserve it. Uh, my, my high school receiver was, was uh, Jason Dulick, who was the all-time leading receiver at that time for Illinois. And uh, so that was a little special for me to play against him. I was also playing against their quarterback, Scott Weaver, who Illinois ultimately decided to recruit over me um, when I wanted to go there. So, uh, so that, was, that was special. But that was, you know, that was one that, you know, we were, we were happy to get out of there with a win. Uh, Penn State was you know, it was parents weekend. It was, uh, it was a night game. Keith Jackson was coming in and Lynn Swan. And again, all this hubbub around Northwestern. And, you know, I mean, it's just funny to think about, we, you know, we, we, we didn't have lights, right. Um, so they had to bring in lights. They weren't sure where to put them. Um, we had to stop the game during the fourth quarter to announce, you know, I had to ask the referee to make an announcement for the fans to sit down because they were in front of the clock because uh, you couldn't see the 25 second clock um it was just it was just fun right it was just uh it was parents weekend my I remember my my girlfriend my wife now uh her parents were in and and my parents and a bunch of her roommates we all went out to dinner I mean it was just it was just this fun community uh and every everybody was living in the moment I, I never thought you just made me think of something that I haven't thought about in 25 years and that is you, you're describing, you know, is a new experience for the players. It's a new experience for the students, new experience for the fans. I, I almost think it was tougher. And, and for those of you who, who haven't been to a game at, at Northwestern, formerly Dyke Stadium, now Ryan Field, at that time, you have these huge Big Ten universities with huge fan bases in Chicago who had scalped so many tickets that sometimes it was almost like playing an away game, correct? Yeah, am, yeah. am I right? I mean, Absolutely. And so some of these, it's, it, you know, you look at the, you look at your schedule and it says home, but I, I remember seeing more uh, Michigan, no, not Michigan, because that, that was the next year, um, but more, um, you know, Wisconsin fans than Northwestern fans and things like that. Um, did that, did that, did that 
you know, factor uh, at all? Yeah, we, you know, look, coming into Penn State, we knew it was going to be a sellout, right? And so in our minds, to your point, Michael, I think we, you know, you sort of think about coming out of that tunnel to sort of a 50-50 reception, you know? Um, and to come out of that tunnel and it's a 80-20 or whatever, I mean, it was – it was awesome, right? It was, again, it was another first. Put that in the line of a thousand firsts that we've already had this season, right? And so to run out of there and have that and um, and to be able to, for the offense, you know, we were pretty dominant in that game early on, just marched down the field, scored a touchdown. Uh, defense played great again. You're playing against Joe Paterno and the Penn State Nittany Lions, which is, you know, like a Notre Dame. They're just one of those iconic programs. Um, it was a It was a cool – Cool experience. It was, you know, night game, perfect weather conditions, full moon. I mean, it was, it was awesome, right? And, and then uh, the, the students did rush the field after that game, which uh, I thought was fantastic. You know, it's, it is a little weird when all of a sudden you're surrounded by these people, but it was great, right? We're, I mean, it was just so much fun for, for everyone that was involved. And, and I think everyone had a part in, in, in enjoying what was going on. Yeah. Um, I do remember, you know, it's like, and I, I really, I really wish for my kids to have this experience, even, even as a fan, if not an athlete, um, you, you, by the time you get to those games as a student, you're just like, every snap feels like life or death because, because now by now, um, you all have won seven, you're seven and oh in the big 10 and the media just starts saying, could this be the year? Northwestern going to the Rose Bowl could this be the year and it's just like and I remember like every 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 possession every snap just as a fan is so is so heavy and that's you know it's 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 a cool experience especially when you're young um you had good wins over Iowa and Purdue and I, I think I remember the Purdue game being Mike Allstott's last game at Purdue maybe they honored yep. Mike, Mike Allstott yep. at Purdue that was um I, I didn't go to that game but I, I remember watching it that was pretty cool um did what how how the 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 national media now is really mounting because because my memories is could could this be the year i think i recall darnell autry on the cover of sports illustrated as well yep. how um did that what did that present a big distraction for you and how how are you how are you kind of handling that both as a quarterback and as someone that the team is looking to to provide leadership yeah it was um you know after we beat penn state right I think we were we were in the top ten then. I can't remember how. I mean, we were, got to number five. Um, we come out of that game. We Darnell's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Big article on the team. Um, we're playing Iowa. ESPN College Game Dates coming to Northwestern for the first time ever. Um, they they set up the tent outside. Of course, it gets blown over in like an ice and snowstorm the night before the game. They got to move inside McGraw uh, or McGraw. Uh, you know the basketball arena so uh yeah it was the, the media so at that time if you remember if you've been to ryan field there's you know now where the locker room is that used to be sort of a dead space in our end zone on our turf and, and barnett when he came in thought that looked horrible so he put this giant purple and white tent and we called it the alumni tent well the alumni tent turned into um a media tent so every night after practice there would be a host of media in there, right? And it was NBC Nightly News and all the different – I mean, it was just – again, it was crazy. The, 
the beauty was we had never been through it. We didn't know, we sort of didn't know what normal was. So it was, it was all happening so fast that uh, I don't think anyone necessarily got caught up in the hype. Um, you know, Barnett did a really nice job of keeping everybody humble. Um, so yeah, it was a wild, it was a wild, wild, wild ride, but thank God it was happening as fast as it was because I don't think it really allowed us the opportunity to sit back and, and get too freaked out by it. Right. Cause it was just became normal. I had, I had to go back and I was trying to pinpoint the, the, um, Pat Fitzgerald's injury. Uh, and when that occurred and then the, the, the impact that, 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 that had. Yeah, it happened in the Iowa game. Um, you know, we, we have a, I wouldn't say a love hate relationship with Iowa, more of a, a respect hate relationship with them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, you know, Fitz got rolled up on. It was, it was too bad. Uh, it, was, it was, it was awful. Right. Um, I think it showed our team resolve in, in terms of, persevering in that in that situation and, and, and pulling it out uh, but there was no doubt it was a it was a significant blow to us uh Donnie Holmes was a good player but um he wasn't Pat Fitzgerald and, and yeah. uh and Pat to his credit you know um kept his leadership role very very outspoken um you know we we needed that and and um but but man we could have we certainly could have used him uh in the Rose Bowl yeah I, I remember that, but just the, the fact that the team persevered, you beat Purdue. So then it's official. Oh no, wait a minute. It took, <laughs> it took Michigan beating Ohio state to yes. break the tie. Correct. Yes. Yes. And so that happened, that happened, that happens, um, the, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. And so the only way we were going to the Rose bowl is if Ohio state loses because we yeah. had lost the conference and they had not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they played that Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot of guys stayed around and watched it at the team of team uh, meeting room and at Northwestern. Uh, I was at home with my family. Uh, I had this local NBC affiliate in my basement watching the game with me. Um, so it was it was fun. You know, again, this is before cell phones and things, right? So I'm watching yeah. my buddies on TV when they pan away from the Ohio State Michigan game and um it was it was cool it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun it was just as you might imagine with everything that had gone right that year for us that that was going to come out that way but yeah, I, right yeah exactly going into that i was like i don't care how good ohio state is that michigan team was the best team we played that entire year yeah far. yeah man and so um it then 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 it's almost i don't know it just seems like it's almost like brutal because then you've got five weeks of anticipation. Uh, as I recall, you're the number three team in America going up against a USC team with Keyshawn Johnson. And so, yeah, it's the Rose bowl, but it's, that's, it's almost like a home game for USC. Although the wild, I, I was so, I was so fortunate because my, I'm from a very small town, but my aunt, who's my godmother lives in Pasadena still does. And she put up me and four of my friends for five days. And, and it was, and it was, it was so great. And Northwestern fans did travel really well, as you, as you recall, or at least I hope you guys felt that way. I felt they traveled really well. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then I, I also feel like you guys um, got the benefit of the, um, a lot of the Hollywood, you know, the Northwestern folks in Hollywood, Northwestern folks in the national media, uh, you know, 
Uh, I remember Jay Leno appearances and stuff like that. Just watching that as a fan. What, what was, what, what are your memories of the, the days leading up to the game? Yeah, it was funny, you know, so we, um, well, we originally started practicing at, at Northwestern um, and it was so cold out. We didn't, we didn't have an indoor facility. I mean, you know, think about that for a minute. Here's the team who's number three in the country playing in the Rose Bowl and, and we don't have an indoor facility. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So we were, we were busing in, in yellow school buses, you know, like kids take the high school. We were, we were busing in yellow school buses every day up to House Hall and Lake Forest to the Bears bubble to practice. And uh, we had to do it around the Bears schedule, obviously, because they were playing. And Barnett was like, this is insane, right? Um, so we left to go to, uh, to go out to California middle of December, uh, probably two weeks prior to what normal, maybe a week and a half prior to what normal teams do. Um, we originally went to Newport Beach and we practiced at a, at a local college there. It was awesome, we had a great time. Um, Worked really hard, had a lot of Northwestern people come out, David Schwimmer and Charles Hest, Charlton Heston. And, uh, you know, we were on the Jay Leno show. I mean, it was all, it was, it was a very, very neat time. Um, I don't think anyone got too caught up in it. Very focused on the game. Um, you know, USC was a really good team. They were, I think they were preseason number one. I think we had the dubious honor both that year and the next year of playing the preseason number one in our bowl game, Tennessee being the second one. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was a very cool experience and yeah, to your point, Michael, we, you know, my, my most vivid memory of coming out of that tunnel when we're getting ready for the game to kick off, um, you know, you got goosebumps. It's just, everything's, you know, your body's full of adrenaline. Um, you're trying to take it all in, you know, I wish, I wish I could go back 25 years and, and observe it one more time from a you know, a, a different perspective, but um, running out of the tunnel and seeing, you know, what to me looked like 70% Northwestern, maybe, maybe it was 50, 60, I don't know, but it looked like a hell of a lot of purple from one side of the state to the other. Yeah. And being like, where in the hell did these people come from? I yeah. love it. You know, uh, it was, it was cool. And I, up until, shit, up until the last that kick bounced off the upright at the end, I thought we were going to win that game. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, again, it's a, it's a, so much of it as a fan, as a blur. I remember Keyshawn Johnson being awesome. He goes for like 205 yards. And I remember, cause and then he was the number one pick in the NFL draft. And yeah. afterward, yeah. I remember, I, I remember that. I remember a few calls that could, if they had gone the other way, um, you know, you all uh, likely, likely win that game. And it was, it was a super, a super competitive game. Um, any, any, any memories of what it was like going up against that USC team? Yeah, good. They are full of athletes. I mean, tremendous athletes. Um, I, I think, like I told you before, I think Michigan was the best football team we played. I think USC had the best athletes, right? Yep. Um, we, uh, we fell behind early a, a fair amount, right? We had a hard time trying to stop them. Um, but the offense, you know, that was one thing for me. I mean, it was, the, it was the best game I had from a, from a yardage standpoint, my whole career there, right. My whole career, I guess, anywhere. Um, so it was a lot of fun to contribute from that standpoint. Uh, yeah. A couple close calls that go one way or the other. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I do. I wish we had won the game. Absolutely. Right. Would my life have been any different? I doubt it. But other than I can say I won the Rose Bowl. Um, it's funny how many people I meet today that remember 
that season, remember Northwestern, remember the Rose Bowl. And they're like, oh, yeah, that was when you guys won a Rose Bowl, right? <laughs> so there's, there's a significant majority of the people out there that remember the Northwestern right. Rose Bowl. Yeah. I'm on victory model. We didn't actually win, but, um, yeah. you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was an awesome time. Um, like I said, I wish we had been staying on, you know, it seemed like the fitting end to that story would have been us standing on the stage getting that trophy. But uh, we had, uh, we had done so much that, you know, many of us probably never thought possible that um, it was just, it was great to be part of the whole thing. You know, the, the older I get, and just as a, as a, someone who is thrilled to be a student there and a fan, I'm, I'm almost as impressed maybe more with the following year. And you you weren't sneaking up on anybody anymore. You had a target on your back. Um, You win a share of the big 10, go nine and three, you know, beat, beat Michigan again. That I realize that's probably the subject. We're talking about the 25th anniversary of the, of the um, uh, 90, 95, uh, 96 season. And that's probably a different conversation, but clear, I do want to ask, you know, clearly you, um, uh, the team, you and the team kept your foot on the gas heading into the next season. Um, there was very little, there was a rough Wake Forest game, but, it very, but no let up, um, you know, aside from a, a tough loss early on. What was um, in between, in between Rose Bowl and you've got several months to think about it. What are, what's your mindset? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a, I mean, your point's a great one. I, I, I think one of the things I'm most proud of, right, is to be able to do it. It's, it's, it's really hard to do what we did in 95. It's, doubly hard to to double down and do it again um you know the big 10 was loaded both those years uh 96 for us was a very different football team right 95 was very defensive focused 96 our offense had to carry us um to a large extent so that was you know for me that was personally rewarding um we had great leaders right we had fits and other guys on the team we had great leadership um guys worked really really hard Again, I think the humility and character of that team and always remember, you know, it's like, it's like somebody who's, who grows up dirt poor and works their tail off and, and gets some money and, and realizes that maybe life's a little easier with a little bit of money in their pocket. They don't yeah. ever want to go back to that, right? Um, it, it was that sort of feeling, right? It was, it was being hungry, keeping yourself hungry, working hard, um, because it's really hard. It's it's hard to repeat. You're, you, you're, you don't sneak up on anyone. And you and you did. You had some seniors graduate in the offensive and defensive line, but um, there was a a lot of continuity with yep. the skill positions. Correct. Yeah, a lot a lot of continuity with skill positions. You know, we again, I think that helped us on offense significantly. Right. We had Darnell and Dwayne and Brian yep. so and Tucson and Beasley and a lot of guys yep. back. Uh, the tight ends as well. And so it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a great, great feeling. And you threw a lot more the following year. Was that uh, a change in the design of the offense or is that what, 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 um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, uh, certainly I, I had progressed. Um, and then yep. I think having, having the skill positions that we did around us, the need to score more because our defense wasn't as, as dominant as it was the year before. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, that was a, that was a fun year for sure. Yep. Okay. I'm going to, um, I'm going to throw out some names and I just want you to do quick associations. I know sometimes people say one word, you don't have to do one word, but I want to make sure, I want to make sure some of the, you talk about the character of the team and I want to make sure, uh, some of the personalities get some airtime. So Dwayne Bates. 
an old soul. Yeah. Yeah. And he is coaching now, correct? He is a, uh, he's the athletic director at, uh, Glenbard East. I want to yep. say, yep. uh, tremendous, tremendous, uh, individual. Yep. Um, just a, just a great guy, uh, played, played, had a great career in the NFL, but, um, yep. to me, one of the best all around athletes that I had played with. He's one of the few players I got to know then through the school of education and social policy. And when you, it's so funny when you say old soul, cause what small town, South Carolina, what he was originally a quarterback, then, uh, converted to wide receiver. Um, my parents loved him. Didn't know him well. I think everybody's parents loved him. You know, you know what I mean. But um, soft-spoken, yeah, like, totally the most, uh, you know, the just polite individual. Yeah, never. I don't. I don't know that I've ever heard him say a curse word. Uh, I don't know that I've ever known him to drink any drink any alcohol. I mean, just a yeah, just a wonderful individual. I remember a couple times, and it was I only remember this a couple times where you would line up a quarterback then quick, quickly shift more to like a, a, a slot receiver position. He would line up a quarterback and I, and you guys use that play a couple of times uh, to throw the other team off as I remember. Yes. But uh, they, they quickly realized I was not going out for a pass. <laughs> <laughs> it was strictly for Dwayne to drop nice. back on a quarterback draw. Nice. Uh, oh, uh, a couple. Yeah. Um, Brian Musso, a wide receiver, uh, kick returner. I remember, you know, just really electric, uh, no, you know, there's, there's a whole Brian Musso highlight reel out there. What, uh, what memories of Brian Musso? Uh, it was one of my roommates my senior year. Uh, you know, his dad was the Italian stallion at Alabama, uh, on the cover of sports illustrated too. I think, um, Brian was, Brian was probably the most athletically gifted person I've ever known um on just weird stuff right like I mean he's like a scratch golfer he can throw a football like an like a college quarterback he can catch stuff one-handed behind his back you know any any weird sort of like I don't know what's the what's the YouTube guys that do all the weird trick shots you know whatever uh, there's there's those guys out there that yeah you know, throw my son dude perfect or, yeah 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 right right, right. Yeah. he's yeah. one of those guys yeah he's right shoot off the top of a hotel and make a basket yeah he can do basketballs he can do all kinds of stuff um just a really good you know su- again another another guy just super high character very religious um wasn't a partier was a worked worked hard loved him loved him on fourth down yeah um, if i needed a first down he was getting the ball yep uh offensive lineman rob johnson rob johnson um uh, a smart Alec badass. How about that? Uh, yeah. super fun guy. Uh, super fun. Loves to have a good time. Uh, great leadership. Uh, was not afraid to call guys out. Uh, worked his tail off was, you know, I, you know, he, he, he used the analogy of one of these things about being sort of the, you know, the, the kid that gets picked on over and over and over on the playground and finally snaps. That was, that was Rob, you know, Rob yep. was, Rob was in the class above me um in terms of his grade level and and uh i think he had he had had enough and decided he was going to make himself into something and and uh and did another one of your offensive linemen ryan paget paget uh brilliant uh super super smart um he was he was uh i remember walking in freshman year checking into the the sergeant hall when we came 
like in early August as freshman to report for football camp. And I remember seeing him and he was, he was in a muscle shirt at the time and his back was like, it looked like it was like three feet wide. Yeah. And, and I looked at him, he looked old. Right. And he was turned, it turned out he was actually like a year younger than us. He was the year younger than me, but he was in my class. And I remember saying to one of the, the recruiting coordinator, like that, that's one of the upperclassmen, right? He's like, no, that's, he's in your class. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. Uh, yeah, he was, super, he was a really, really talented, super smart guy, went on to be a doctor, obviously uh, had some notoriety this past year, but almost almost uh, um, succumbed to, to COVID, um, but made it through it. So yeah, uh, really good dude. I got, so we, you already mentioned the secondary. I got two names. One, one is a, 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 on a somber note, again, rest in peace, Matt Hartle, someone who uh, passed away very young uh, from Hodgkin's disease. I recall, I think it was in 1999. Um, he got, got a lot of action, obviously in the Rose Bowl a year. Um, um, Matt Hartle memories. Yeah. Um, Matt was uh, loved by everybody on the team. Um, you know, he was like, he was friends with everybody, right? Yeah. White, black, anything, right? Um, good dude. Uh, unbelievable talent. You know, had he was a, he could throw a 90-something mile an hour fastball. I don't know if people even remember that, but he, he, he pitched for one year at Northwestern. Um, would have gone on to play in the NFL, I'm sure, for a long time. He's just a tremendous athlete, huge guy. It's 6'4", you know, 6'3", whatever, 6'2" like 245, just chiseled fast, um, very quiet, didn't say anything, would just, you know, it was just a – he's like one of the guys, like when you think about like the old Romans and like who they put out there to like fight in the cages, right? Like you'd, you'd put Matt Hartle out there. Like he yep. was just – just his mere presence would intimidate people. Um, but uh, but like I said, great guy. Like what happened was just tragically uh, – Life was cut way, way too short. Yeah. Last name is Pat Fitzgerald. I do want to ask you, Steve, you know, it's like, I, it's so, it's so surreal. Well, when he got the job, I don't know, he was like, I think 30. And I know you, you're somebody that the program continues to consult with and you mentor, you know, young players and mentor quarterbacks and things like that. And I know that, um, you know, when Fitzgerald got the job, I remember thinking, wow. And then to see now, you know, 15 years later, um, and, and also the success the team has had, it's just so cool. And that some that, 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 you know, someone who is a part of your team has, has been such a part of building a culture. Um, you know, what, what, what would you say about, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, both the player and the coach? You know, I think, I think what people, I want people to realize or, or to know is the guy that you see in the films, right. In the clips, right. Where he's rah, rah, or the guy that you know when he's men were wildcat way and all this like that's him that's just him that's always been him that's not made up that's who he is that's how he acts um high character guy fun loving guy prankster you know go out and have a beer with you kind of guy um really really salt of the earth you know grew up in south side of chicago his girlfriend now wife he dated all through high school um, great, great family guy, tough as nails. Um, you know, he's a guy that you want having your back or be on your side of the ball. Super, super smart when it comes to not only football, but, but, you know, uh, 
he was smart in school, um, very articulate, very, um, you know, he's the kind of guy that as a parent, you, you'd want your kid to play for, right? Yeah. He's, he's about character. Uh, when, when, you know, I give Mark Murphy, who um, was the athletic director at the time when Randy Walker passed away, unbelievable amount of credit, you know, today it's almost in vogue to, you know, to, to, to have a 31 year old coach, right? Cause Sean McVay and all these guys in the NFL that have had success. It wasn't that way then. Right. No. And, uh, and Walker passed away in, in, in July, late July. Fitz was on the staff as an assistant coach. Uh, they went to him and, and uh, you know, I remember they, I got a call about it. Not, I'm not saying I had anything to do with it. I was asked my opinion. Uh, I certainly gave my opinion as to what I thought, uh, which was, I think Pat deserves that and, and we'll do great with it. Um, you know, I think it was a hard challenge, you know, for Pat to overcome and, and, but he's, he's, you could not ask for a better representative of our, of our school. Um, you know, he's got a great story from, uh, from Paterno that, uh, that I'll share real quick. Um, so, you know, when Pat was told he's gonna be head coach, he was like, you know, I'm sure he was like any of us, like, holy shit, like, what, are, what does this mean, right? So he calls, he calls Joe Paterno at the time and says, you know, do you have any advice for me? And Paterno says, I got one piece of advice for you. So take out a piece of tape and write, I am the head coach. He's like, tape it on your mirror, all the way across your mirror in your bathroom. He's like, you need to see that every day. Remind yourself you're the head coach. Act like the head coach. Be the head coach. You know, make decisions, all that. Oh, that was a great story, right? It was just, he's like, you know, you need to, you, this is how you need to carry yourself every day. When you wake up in the morning, realize wow. that's who you are and how you carry yourself. Wow. Cause the, uh, yeah, cause the buck stops with, yeah, you get, yeah. you get the praise, you get all the blame. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you, you've, you've shared, you know, uh, before about how different the experience is for the young players today because of electronic media and, and, and I'm interested, you know, and now, so you've got now coach Fitz is young enough, but he's been a head coach now for 15 years that he's, he's now been a coach in some different eras. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, it strikes me that it's probably a lot har harder to rule with an iron fist because you know, camera phones everywhere and things like that. Um, you know, as you think about what, and cause you're, you're called in to mentor young players, you know, regularly, and, and advise them and things like that. What are, how, how's it, how, what are some of the differences um, with these, in the lives of these young, these young players that you end up uh, talking to? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the pace of information and the, and the inaccuracy of, of information and the propensity to, to promote and <laughs> inaccurate information is, is unbelievable, right? I mean, Twitter and all. I mean, who knows? I mean, I have to. You know, you can pick up a thing right now and be like, Northwestern's going to cancel their football season. Which, who knows? What's true? Anybody can put it out there, right? So, um, I think that they they have to deal with a lot. I think Fitz does a really nice job of of trying to <clears throat> trying to educate them, um, expose them to things outside of football. You know, things like his mentorship program that he has that I'm part of. You know, because I think kids need to hear it from people other than just their coach or other than, you know, I, I, my, my kids need to hear to put their freaking phone down from people other than just me. Right. I mean, um, and I think, I think he's done a really nice job trying to balance that. You know, um, he has people like myself and others come back and talk to the kids. 
um, you know, a lot of what he tries to talk to them about, um, and I've tried to talk to him about as well when I've gotten back is, is decision-making, you know, and, and, and how you need to, you know, you need to conduct yourself and, and making the right decisions in life. Um, because, you know, it's a really formative time in, in their life. Um, and they, you hope that kids make the right decisions because it seems like, um, you know, that's where things can get, get derailed a bit. So Steve, I want to be, I want to be faithful to the time because you've been more than generous with your time and I do, but I, I do have a question I can't resist. And, and so this sure. is just, just in, well, I want to thank you. I think on behalf of everybody who was there, just the, the memories of that time. And then also, you know, it was the spark that has sustained. I know, you know, I know they know, you know, Northwestern doesn't go nine and three every year, but it's been, you, you could look at it being, this was the start of a sustained winning program where you, you know, you expect them to win a lot of games in the big 10 every year. And so I just want to thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your experiences at this, you know, the 25th anniversary of this incredible run. Um, you know, for those of us who have been along for the ride, I'm just curious, okay, a kid comes to you, a highly touted college player and says, you know, Mr. Schnur, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking about Northwestern, but I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about these other, these other schools and let's assume they're really good, solid programs. You know, what, what, what advice do you find yourself dispensing about Northwestern? Good, bad, you know, neutral to these kids. How do you, how do you describe if, if, if you're trying to get a, get a kid to, to consider uh, playing football for Northwestern? Yeah, I would, I would just tell them, I mean, I, I think Northwestern's done a really nice job trying to, to sort of coin this. It's about, it's not about the next four years, it's about the next 40 years. Right. And I think, when I think about my own kids, I've got a senior right now that's going to go to college next year and she's trying to decide where to go. And, you know, what I try to remind her or any, what I'd remind any kid about is it's, it's, you know, you're going to, you want to have a great experience. You got to have great chemistry with, you got to be able to have chemistry with both the players or the students, chemistry with the coaches. Um, But to me, it's about who you're going to surround yourself with. Right. And, and to me, you want to surround yourself with, people that are trying to improve themselves, their lives, um, who they are. Uh, that, that was, that was always very beneficial to me is to be around people that were, that were high achievers. So, um, I think Northwestern offers that as well as anyone out there. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was extremely fortunate to be there at the right place at the right time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, you could part, point to a million success stories out there with Northwestern and build a point, you know, kid wants to play in the NFL. He thinks that's a shot. You can do that. You can go on to be a doctor, a lawyer, a business person, whatever. Well, I appreciate it. You know, there's a, there's a whole other presentation, you know, and conversation about the successes that you've had the last several years in your business career. And I just, I, I also want to thank you just as someone who just moved to Indianapolis in the last four or five years, you're emerging as somebody who's a leader here in Indianapolis, trying to make the community better. And uh, that's, I think of that when you say it's not just the next four years, it's the next 40 years and really having, having an impact, uh, you know, on your community. And so I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, Steve, this won't be our last conversation about Northwestern football. <laughs> you've, you've been incredibly generous and I, I've enjoyed it immensely because it just takes me back. Um, and I, I, think, I think also, you know, embedded in the story of that year are just a lot of great life lessons that you've been generous in sharing. So thanks so much for your time. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I, I look forward to having more conversations about it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Go cats. Right. All right. Go cats. All right. Thanks. Steve Schnarr. Thank you.